0: Today, I am going to divert a little bit from what I taught you the last two Sundays, but still about the same principles that we have been going through for the last two weeks. The title of my message this morning is More Than Money. More Than Money. You know, I believe that every human being on the face of the earth, including nations of the earth, strive for financial freedom. They long to be free from the constraints of poverty and lack. And it is the dream, I believe, of every individual to be financially free, to be economically independent, where you are able to do what God has called you to do without restrictions, without constraints. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that? Well, that is God's desire as well. And He has a plan Of achieving that for you and I. How many of you know that poverty is not a blessing, it's a curse. Not to be able to do what you want to do and many of you have dreams within your heart. Dreams that you would like to fulfill but you are restrained because of financial constraints and lack. Amen? Amen. Is that true? Yes. Well, praise God. I have good news for you. I have already given you some good news. That God has a way. One of the redemptive blessings of the Lord is to bring us to a place where we are financially free and independent. The Bible says that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And it adds no sorrow to it. The world has a plan, but it's faulty. It has too many holes in it. God has a plan and it's far better than the world's plan. And we studied the principles in the last two Sundays of sowing and reaping. And we've also talked about connecting your seed with the word and the promises of God. We talked about how we give money to men, but we need to also give faith to God. Giving money to men or giving money to the church is good. But unless we add faith and love to it, our seed will not prosper. And that is why we must give faith to God because God honors faith. Amen. 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 So. As long as we have seed to sow. The word of God says we will never go without. You believe that? As long as our giving is accompanied with faith and love. Our harvest is always assured. Amen. Amen. And so in this morning study we will look at the relationship between Paul and the Apostle and the church in Philippi, where this principle that I have taught you in the last two Sundays is exercised between Paul and the church in Philippi in giving and receiving. The Philippians, if you are a student of the Bible, you will know that they had a very unique relationship with the Apostle Paul. In fact, it was unique in a way that no other church understood. This is the only church that understood the principles that we're sharing with you about. This covenant relationship was characterized by Paul the Apostle as one of giving, and receiving. Paul ministered to them spiritually and the Philippians ministered to Paul financially. It was a two-way relationship. It was not a one-sided one. He invested into them spiritually and they responded by investing into the apostle financially. Now, having said that, I want us to look at the words of Paul that he wrote from prison to the church in Philippi in regards to the principles that we've been talking about. So I'm going to ask that you put on the words from Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through to 20. Have you got them? Yes. There we are. Okay, and we have them in French as well. Wonderful. Can we read them together? Yes. Paul writes from prison to this church saying, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. That is why I have stated that this is the only church that understood the principle of sowing and reaping, of giving and receiving. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you as sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. It's important to notice that Paul's address to them in this letter was not done from a platform of need because he said, I do not speak in regard to need. Because he said, I have learned to be content in whatever state I am. So he didn't write to them because he had a need or because he wanted something from them. And that's important for us to note. Paul makes an interesting point here because this is most people, when they reach out to someone, either by a telephone call or by a letter, is because they need something. You have that happen to you? Someone calls you on the phone? Rarely do they ask, how are you doing? (laughs) Can I bless you with an encouraging word? Can I give you something? No, it's always because they have some kind of a need and they call on you. Amen? Am I correct? Now the apostle didn't do that. He did something better. Paul wrote this letter to acknowledge, first of all, the care and the love that he received from these wonderful people through their gifts. Uh-huh. And also, he wrote the letter to communicate and express his love, his affection, and his care toward these kind of people. Uh-huh. He communicated something, yes. he affirmed them, he wrote to them saying, that you are precious, that you are my partners, as we're going to read further on. Notice the word Paul uses in this epistle to this particular church. And we're going to read from Philippians chapter 1, from the New Living Translation, verse 5. Listen to what he writes to them in the opening statements of his letter. You have been my partners, he says, In spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard until now. Then he goes on to say in verse 6. And I am certain that God who began the good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Verse 7. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. And you share with me the special favor of God. Notice the words that he writes. He's communicating his heart, his love, his affection toward the Philippians. He says, you have a very special place in my heart. And then it goes on to say in verse 8, God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. You see, that's why he said, I'm not writing to you from a place of need. I want to communicate to you how much I love you, how much I care for you. How precious you are to me. He's affirming them. He's blessing them. And He's imparting to them something that is so precious and wonderful. His love, His compassion, His care for this particular church. And in chapter 4 verse 1 He says, Therefore my beloved, I want you to understand that there was such a special relationship Between this church and the Apostle Paul. It was unique. It was a covenant relationship of love, care, and concern. And he says, my beloved and longed for brethren. My joy and my crown. Can you imagine your pastor writing you a letter and says to you, you are my joy and my crown. You are special. You have a special place in my heart. That's how we should treat the people that are part of us. That are part of our community. Of our, of our fellowship. Of our spiritual family. He says, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Amen. And so it is clear from these words of Paul. That he loved these people dearly. And he rejoiced greatly over them. The reason of Paul's rejoicing was twofold. Firstly, he rejoiced not because he received another gift from them, but because their love and their care for the apostle grew and flourished. That's what made him to rejoice. And this is the point I want to get across to us today. You see, their gift to the Apostle communicated something that was much more valuable than material things. Their gift spoke, spoke volumes to this Apostle. Their gift spoke of their tremendous love and the care, the personal interest, and the care they had in their hearts for this Apostle. They didn't just love his ministry. Listen carefully. They loved him. Amen. I'm going to say that again because today there is something that is very rare today. Most believers love the ministry. They love to give and to sow into church and into ministries. But not so much into the man behind the ministry. You see, there is no ministry without the man. It is the man that holds the ministry. It is the man that releases the ministry. And we need to learn to love the man more than we love the ministry. You may love my ministry, but you may not love me. You see, you may love my ministry because you receive a blessing from me. But the question is, do you love me? This church, they didn't just love Paul's ministry. They loved him. They cared for him in a very unique and in a very personal way. It's important for us to see that. They cared for him. And how did they show their care? They didn't just say, I love you. They didn't just say, we care about you. We are concerned about you. They showed their love and their care. How? By their actions. They continued to supply the needs of this apostle. In fact, this was the only church that responded to his needs. Because they loved him. Not just the ministry. And it's important for us to understand that. Do you love the man behind the ministry? Do you love the man who labors in order to bring you the ministry? Amen? That's very important. In in fact, they saw to it, this church, they made it their own personal responsibility and mission in life to take care of his financial needs. It was a a ministry or, I can't say a burden, but it was a responsibility that they gladly took upon themselves. And they saw to it that this man would not go without. We will make sure that this man will not lack any good thing that is an honorable thing in the eyes of God in fact paul said it to them in philippians chapter 4 verse 15 he says to them and you know you philippians were the only ones the only ones who gave me financial help when i first brought you the good news and then travel on from Macedonia. No other church did this. You need to know, and I need to know, that your giving communicates something much more than money or material things. The greatest expression of love is what? Giving. Giving. Why do I say that? Because the the scripture says so. John 3.16 God so loved the world. And what did he do? He gave. He gave gave his very best. There was nothing better to give us. Nothing higher, nothing more precious. To God, His Son was the most precious person He had. And because He loved, He gave. Amen. And that is why I say that the greatest expression of love is giving. Mm. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you. Somebody agrees with <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah you see your giving communicates your love it communicates your care it communicates your appreciation to those you give to it communicates honor it communicates esteem and the affection you hold in your heart for the people you give to and to me And to all of us, it ministers more than the actual gift or the material thing you give them, because it ministers to their heart and to the soul of the person, and not just to the physical need. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What was Jesus saying? He was saying that where you choose to invest your treasure, where you choose to invest what is valuable to you, your heart will be there also. You always give where your heart is. Amen? That is why I believe it's very difficult to walk away from people in whom you invest your treasure in. It's not impossible, but it's difficult. If I put my treasure in you and if I support you, it's difficult to walk away from you because my heart is there. Amen. My heart is there. My treasure is there. The reason being is that through your giving, you create and you cultivate a bond between you and those you give to that is unbreakable and enduring. Are you listening to me? I want to share with you a testimony. This spoke to me so much. My cousin's wife in Cyprus, her name is Susan. She wrote one morning to me saying the following. Listen carefully what she wrote. She said, good morning, Andrew. I hope you and Kristala are well. I just needed to tell you something. I have been missing Cristela very much lately. I'm trying to get over a bad flu for the last two weeks now. And I can't help thinking that when she was here at the beginning of the year, she made me that lovely chicken lemon soup. And within two days, I was better. I don't know if it was the soup or the love that the soup was made with that made me better so fast. I do believe it is the latter. Just shows what a kind act of love can do. This testimony stuck with me. Why was she missing my wife? Because there was a bond of affection. There was a bond of love that was created between her and my wife through a bowl of soup given to her in a time of need. Am I making my point clear? So when we say more than money, when you give, you don't just give money. You give your heart. You give your love. You give your appreciation, you give your honor, you give your esteem and you say, thank you for being a blessing in my life. God's Word says that our gifts are a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. You see, as our gifts are released, they disperse such a sweet-smelling aroma in God's nostrils that it brings great, great pleasure to the heart of God. Imagine, if you will, in the midst of all of the stench of sin and iniquity and rebellion that rises up from the wickedness of men, a sweet-smelling aroma is dispersed from the church As we give and we put our heart into our giving. It's counteracting the ugliness and the stench which comes from the rebellion of man. It's a ministry. And it's well pleasing to the Lord. And that's what I wanted to teach you this morning. That's what I wanted to teach you in the last two Sundays that we have come. You know, I'm going to share a picture with you that I saw concerning the fellowship. I wasn't sure if I should share it, but I believe the Lord wants me to share it. I came across um, a well. It was like a deep pit. And I saw you in there. There was no water in in that well it was dry so as I came to the top of the well God gave me a rope I tied the rope on the tree and I threw the rope into that well and I saw people catching that rope and climbing out Amen. Amen. can you picture it yes. Amen. can you understand the symbolism Some of you are in a hole financially. Some of you are struggling. As I've mentioned, you have dreams that you want to fulfill. You're tired of catching the train. Now it works, now it doesn't work. You're tired of catching the bus or the mini-taxis with all the nonsense that is going on. You want to have your own car and drive to the church and drive to your work. But you can't because you're restricted. You don't have the funds and the financial freedom. The rope that I threw down that well is the word of the living God. Alleluia. Alleluia. Psalm 107 verse 20 says he sent his word. Amen. And what did he do? What did the word do? He healed them and delivered them from their destruction. God sent me here to give you His Word. But it's up to you what you're going to do with the Word that you've heard for the last three Sundays. Am I going to catch that Word and apply it in my life? Am I going to grab hold of that rope and start climbing out? Or am I going to let it come one ear and go through the other ear? It's your choice. Amen. And some of you are withholding from God what is due to Him. You're not tithing regularly. You're not giving your offerings. Why? Because of fear. If I give, what am I going to have left? And that is why I say that poverty is not in the pocket. It's in the mind. It's in the way you think. And that is why it's important to allow the word to change the way we think. And not think as the world thinks, but we think as citizens of the kingdom of God. Amen. 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 The second reason that Paul was rejoicing over the gift was because their account was credited with an abundant return. He wasn't rejoicing because he received something from them. He rejoiced because something was going to be given to them that was much greater than their gift. Listen to what he says. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. That's what he was rejoicing about. Because he knew that the gift was a seed that was sown in good ground and the harvest was due to them. He says, I'm rejoicing because your account is credited with an abundant harvest. Amen. Jesus said it is more blessed to do what? To give than to receive. But he also said that no act of kindness will ever go unnoticed or unrewarded by the Lord. And he said that in Matthew 10, 42. Let's read it together. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Just a cup of cold water. God sees. God notices. And he will never allow any act of kindness or giving no matter how small it is to go unrewarded or unnoticed. The gift as a seed Paul said, had the potential of a great harvest. Proverbs 11:24 says, There is one who scatters. And what happens to him? He increases all the more. There is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. You see, you keep holding. You keep holding because you're afraid or because of one or another reason. And what happens? When you keep withholding what is due to the Lord, it leads you to poverty. And then he goes on to say, The generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters, will also be watered himself. Now, the Philippians knew Paul intimately, personally, And they knew the circumstances he was in. He says, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. You see, they knew Paul's journey of faith. What does that tell me? They knew his struggles. Why? Because they took a personal interest in his welfare. They knew him intimately. It wasn't a figure that they knew from afar, from a TV. No. They knew his life. They knew his struggles. They knew what he went through. They knew his persecutions. They knew him personally and intimately. Why? Because they made it their own business to know. They inquired. They didn't have a phone to phone him and say, How are you doing, Paul? Probably send letters. They asked other believers, other disciples. They took a personal interest in his affairs. And they knew, listen to this, that no other church communicated with him in giving and receiving. Why did they know that? I mean, that's personal things. You know why? They made it their business to know. Let me ask you something. Do you know your pastor personally and intimately like that? Hmm? Do you know his walk of faith? Do are you aware if he's struggling? Oh, it's very quiet in here today or all you interested is to come and receive a blessing. Isn't that a godly thing to be like these Philippians? Amen. Amen? Amen? Where you make it your own personal interest to find out how your apostle is doing. How he's managing. How his family is doing. You know your pastor said something some time ago that shocked me. He said in all of his years of ministry and serving in the church no pastor had ever asked him how are you doing? How's your family? Where are you? What's going on in your life? All they were interested in was his ministry to them. That shouldn't be that way. Hello. That really shocked me. Because the people I shepherd, I want to know what's going on in their lives. Regularly I ask him, how are you doing? How's Italia doing? How's the kids? And he would tell me. If I don't ask him, he doesn't tell me. I make it my business to know because I want to know and if there is a need I don't wait for him to ask me I help him why why because I care as believers as Christians we should have caring and compassion in our hearts not just be concerned about ourselves. Amen? Amen. Are you still with me? Yes. I am convinced that other churches and individuals that Paul ministered to were called by God to support mm. that apostle, mm. to help him in his needs. But they chose not to respond. Mm. You see we have a choice. It's our choice. The Word of God says, let your heart determine what you're going to do. We have to yield to the Spirit. He's not going to force you to do something you don't want to do. In fact, He's so gentle and so quiet that if you're not sensitive to Him, you're not going to pick up the promptings of His Spirit. Often in the mornings when I sit quietly before the Lord, I don't pray, I just listen. I would pick up certain messages from the Spirit, certain promptings about people that I shepherd, about the people that I pastor, and I would respond. Maybe they need encouragement. Maybe they need some word of exhortation. You see, if our heart is pliable, we will always pick up the rhythms of God's heart. And you know what? God's heart is with His people. He's not so concerned about buildings and numbers and ministry. He's concerned about people. That's where His heart is. And if your heart and my heart are in tune with the Heavenly Father's heart, we will always be concerned about people. Especially those people that we walk with. The people that we are part of. The people that we partnered with. The people that are in our spiritual family. Amen. Amen. You see, God called them to support, but they didn't respond. The only church that responded was the Philippians. And Paul brags about that church wherever he goes. He says, I want to tell you about the generosity of the churches in Macedonia. You see, the Philippi was in Macedonia. They had a reputation of being hospitable and generous people. You see, they had a revelation that other churches didn't have. And what was that? It's recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 11. If we have some spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we read your material things? That's the revelation they had. In Galatians 6 6 says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do you see that? That is a principle. That's a a spiritual law. Men of God are called by God, anointed by God to be separated unto God and to His ministry. So they can give themselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer so they have something to give to the people of God. Amen. 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 God released them from the responsibility of working in the marketplace so they may have the time that is vitally necessary to study the Word of God, to pray and to hear from God so when they stand behind the pulpit, they have something to say. Amen? Amen? Amen. So that you can receive growth, encouragement, wisdom, understanding that will help you to prosper in your own life. And now he gives them the promise this is the promise that the apostle gives them and my God not just God my God he says the God whom I know the God who delivered me from all my enemies the God who supplies all my needs the God that I intimately walk with my God shall supply all your need according to not to your job, not to your business but according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And please note that this promise was not given to everyone. Many believers claim this promise but it doesn't belong to them. It was only given to this church. Why? Because this church took care Of the needs of the Apostle and he said to them because you took care of my needs my God will get involved in your affairs. Amen. Amen. So let me say this in closing when we make it our business and our personal responsibility to take care of the spiritual and the financial needs of the house of God And of those who minister to us, God gets involved in our financial affairs. And he meets our every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And we find this principle throughout the Old and the New Covenant. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All of these things will be added to you. We see it in the church in Philippi they took care of the apostle God took care of them and now I want to close with a reading from Haggai a very important principle listen carefully read it with me the prophet Haggai speaks on behalf of God and he utters God's complaint to his people. And he says to them, You have so much, but you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag full of holes. You look for much. But indeed it came to little. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Says the Lord. Because of my house that is in ruins. While every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew. And the earth withholds its fruit. For I call for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Here is the principle that I want to close with. We need to grasp these truths. If we desire to walk with God on this journey of faith and love, we need to understand this one thing. If we neglect to take care of God's house, which is His church, both spiritually and financially, the heavens above us are closed. You can pray all you want. You can fast all you want. But the Lord will not answer. Are you listening to me? Because we're violating a principle. If, however, We make it our personal responsibility. To see to it that God's house is taken care of. Spiritually and financially. God will see to it. That our own houses. And our own families are taken care of. And every need will be met according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Many years ago when I stepped into the ministry. God said this to me. He said, You take care of my house, you love my people, you minister to my people, I'll take care of your house. And He has been doing that for over 35 years. Amen. God leaves the choice to us, though. And our prayer this morning, my prayer, is that we will make the right choice today. And from this day forward whatever you do if you want the lord and heavens to open over your life do not withhold your tithes do not withhold your giving both to the ministry and to the man behind the ministry i want a few people maybe business people here today And I believe this is God's desire to make it your own personal responsibility and say, my pastor will never go without. I'm going to make sure of that. I'm going to inquire. I'm going to pray. I'm going to use my skills and my trading skills so that I can provide for my apostles. And if you do that, you will never go without. Amen. Remember the widow in Zarephah? She only had one loaf of bread left. Drought and famine. For three and a half years, people were dying by the hundreds. But Elijah went to this widow outside of Israel. And he came to the front door of this widow that was dying, said, give me a glass of water, please. She ran, she gave him a glass of water, said, can I have a piece of bread, please? Oh, she said, man of God, I don't have any. I just have a few few flour. I'm going to cook it, and I'm going to eat it with my son, and I'm going to die. That's my last meal. And the prophet said, Sure, you go and bake your cake, your bread. But give me first. Either the prophet was a jerk. Or he understood something. That most most Christians don't understand. He said, me first. Thank God she obeyed. She listened. She had a choice. Either to say, I'm sorry. Close the gate. But one act of obedience, she gave him the first portion. The Bible says miraculously, God provided the oil and the flour and the bread for many days. She was taken care of, her son was taken care of, the prophet was taken care of, many days until rain came from heaven. What if she had refused? What if she didn't obey? She would have died. I'll tell you that right now. And some of you are dying financially. And it's your choice. You have a choice today. What are you going to do with what you've heard? Amen? Amen. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you still my friend?